0: My fellow plebs, River is setting a new standard in Bitcoin. At river.com, you'll pay zero fees when you dollar cost average. Truly the best way to build your Bitcoin wealth. All Bitcoin at River is held in secure cold storage with 100% full reserves. There's no need to wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin to withdraw at any time. Additionally, River lets you make Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network, offers a Lightning integration for developers, and allows you to mine bitcoin directly to your river account river has a level of service that is unheard of in this industry including phone support private client advisors and the ability to designate beneficiaries to inherit your bitcoin wealth river has become the premium name in bitcoin that anyone can easily access sure you have a place to buy bitcoin but have you tried river See and feel the difference at River.com and the River iOS app, the preferred partner of Bitcoin magazine. My fellow clubs, today's podcast is also brought to you by Moon Mortgage. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your assets into real estate. through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets. Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investments in owner-occupied property. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will also be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.com today to register and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334.
1: really excited to talk to one of the most cosmic bitcoiners out there she is really one of the original people kind of talking about like beyond the financial and monetary and economic elements of bitcoin talking about the human elements of bitcoin so we're going to get into a lot of that today spencer do you want to talk a little bit about what you're excited to chat about maybe give a little sneak peek
2: Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, Nozomi has a background in psychology, and she has a really interesting perspective on kind of the prevailing dogma in psychology, and then how maybe a different understanding of human values and free will might inform that. So she kind of went through, you might call it like the fiat meat grinder, as far as it relates to getting her licensing done as a psychologist. And then she's kind of had a bit of a different understanding of what Some of the prevailing, I guess, ideas in psychology are as they relate to human behavior and value. So, we're going to talk about things like free will, transhumanism, things like CBDCs, centrally planned money, and then ultimately kind of tie this back into the idea of what makes us human at the end of the day. And something Nozomi has written a lot about, especially in the latest print edition of Bitcoin Magazine, The Broke Issue, is this idea of love and like what is the human capacity of love and then how can we kind of augment and nourish that to have more kind of healthy interpersonal relationships. And obviously, this relates to Bitcoin and that money mediates how we you know interface with society as a whole. So she has a lot of great ideas there. So really looking forward to picking her brain on that. She has quite a few articles published on Bitcoin Magazine as well. I'll be putting those up in the nest for everyone to see. But there's a ton of great content from Nozomi. So really looking forward to having her on.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess, you know, while we're waiting for Nizomi to appear, she, you know, we're still a little early here. Let me just talk a little bit about Cosmic Bitcoin in general. Cosmic Bitcoin is a weekly Twitter spaces. We come to you live every single Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. All of these shows are recorded natively on Twitter as well as outside of Twitter, and we post them usually a day or two later on the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. And the whole point of this show, the whole point of Cosmic Bitcoin is to kind of get beyond the normal talk tracks around Bitcoin, to talk to the biggest thinkers in the space, and there's a lot of them, and investigate, you know, the cosmic elements of Bitcoin. Uh, and, you know, again, really excited to have Nizomi on. We've had a lot of amazing speakers. Nizomi. I just sent you a speaker request, by the way. I see that you just showed up here right on time. Thank you and excited to have you. But Yeah, it really is about, you know, exploring why Bitcoin seems to change people, why Bitcoin is going to change society, and even, you know, thinking as big as possible about the implications of this tech. Obviously, we wouldn't be able to bring this podcast, this space to you without our Bitcoin conference to support. This show is brought to you by Bitcoin 2023, May 18th through the 20th. We're going to have a lot of cosmic conversations at the event. And there's probably nothing more cosmic than meeting Bitcoiners in person. I say Bitcoiners are best in person. That's a fact. I'm sitting here at Bitcoin Park in Nashville. Tons of Bitcoiners downstairs getting ready for the Nashville Bitcoin meetup. And there's really something intoxicating about meeting Bitcoiners in person. And Bitcoin 2023, you have the opportunity to meet thousands and thousands of Bitcoiners in person. Bitcoin Twitter in real life bitcoin promise and bitcoin master in real life and we're going to be having those game changing conversations that change the trajectory of bitcoin change the trajectory of bitcoin companies and bitcoiners and it's going to be an amazing time so really excited for the event officially 99 days away so we're closer to the event then 100 days and it's coming at us really fast here but it's going to be an amazing time and i can't wait for it to happen so that's enough of me if that sounds awesome to you prices actually go up for our tickets this friday so it would behoove you to purchase tickets prior to then to get the best deal possible and you can use promo code cosmic to save 10 percent so use that code so we know that we sent you there and come to the Bitcoin conference see you in miami Nizomi. I know that you're here listening. Are you having trouble coming onto the stage? Just typical kind of issues. I don't think that you can speak if you sign into a Twitter spaces via desktop. So you have to actually be on mobile. So I'm not sure if you are on desktop or not, but see if you got an invite from us to come onto the stage.
2: Yeah, in the meantime, I guess I'll just point everyone to this post we have pinned up in the nest. It's Nozomi's latest article published in The Broke Issue by Bitcoin Magazine. And it is titled, Broken Hearts, Bitcoin Restores the Soul of Psychology. And she talks a lot about, like I mentioned before, uh, kind of the prevailing dogmas in psychology, things like behavioralism, BF Skinner, and, and the Skinner's Box. She has a lot of really good insights there and kind of really hits upon the idea of Bitcoin restoring us to a more humanistic way of interfacing with society, but also ourselves, like this idea of like what it means to to love yourself and to give yourself, recognize yourself as being an individual capable of self-determination and then also, you know, recognizing that in, in other people as well. So Nozomi, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm just going to give people a little bit of your background. So you are a journalist and you hold your PhD in psychology, from the Pacifica Graduate yes. Institute and you have a yes. specialization in community psychology liberation psychology and eco psychology and yes. a lot of your writing talks about the intersection between psychology and technology in the digital age and uh, I've heard you refer to yourself as a historian of this time period and how you refer to yourself in your work which I found really interesting as we are living in quite historic times and i think people might find it interesting as well to know that you previously taught high school psychology so you're well versed in the idea of teaching as well and then you also previously mentored at soledad state prison helping students at that prison understand the principles of liberation psychology and uh, apply that to their lives and and situation and and most recently you released an article in the broke issue for bitcoin magazine titled broken hearts Bitcoin restores the soul of psychology, <laughs> fixing a distorted vision yes. of humanity. And then I'll also just mm-hmm. point people towards your substack, which is phenomenal, titled The Way of the Heart. I have that pinned up in the nest as well. So that's a bit of a background on you, but yeah, welcome. How are you today?
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, it's, it's great to, you know, be able to chat with this Cosmic topics, I guess. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, here in Cosmic Bitcoin, we really like to understand kind of the higher order effects that bitcoin is going to have on society how people relate to themselves relate to others and then kind of the underlying philosophy around a lot of that but before we kind of get into your work I really was just curious like where it, it seems like you've always had this idea of like trying to better understand yourself like through your writing it seems like that's often like what you're searching for is this idea of truth of understanding yourself uh-huh. and your place in the world and Where do you think that desire started? Is that something innate to people? Was there any point in your life where that kind of clicked for you as like a path that you saw yourself going down or perhaps it's developed later in life? I would just be really curious to hear.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, as a child, I was very open-minded and imaginative. And my parents gave me, you know, allowed me to have full experience of childhood, which I think many people don't have nowadays. You know, they are kind of pushed early on to, you know, study hard or things or meet expectations of the ad- adult, you know. But my parents never pushed me to do anything and then they just simply allowed me to do whatever I wanted. So yeah, so <laughs> I became very imaginative and then have like big dreams, you know, as a child. And then as I grew up, I just started to recognize how other kids are not like me. You know, other kids kind of didn't have dreams, you know when they were asked what they want to become when they were grown up you know they they just have like this you know one thing answers like oh yeah i like to work at the bank or i want to become a lawyer or i want to get into a you know prestigious college and things like that so so then i kind of started to recognize you know i was observing kids around me and started to see how like you know many of us When we were young, we were filled with creativity and imagination and dreams. But somehow, like, we lost that kind of hope or optimism. And, And so that this process kind of started to make me start to question, you know, question, like, why is it that, you know, we start to lose our energies? We start to lose imagination and, you know, we kind of become more focused on making money. Or, you know, yeah, kind to to kind of live in a way that just meets the basic survival needs. So then, yes, I started to kind of have this feeling, you know, that there's something wrong with the world, you know, and this is the what the Morpheus told Neo in the film The Matrix, right? That, you know, there's something wrong with the world and you've felt it your entire time and you don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad, you know? So... Yeah, so I started to kind of yeah, follow that feeling, the feeling that there is something inherently wrong with the world. And then that kind of led me to pursue for truth, you know, how the world functions and then why, you know why, yeah, that this system is it seems to make us be miserable, you know? So yeah, so that's kind of led me to the to, to a search for truth. Yeah,
2: very well said. Love love hearing that and I think giving people an idea of like your personal background there really helps them understand where you're coming from when you're writing. And one thing I noticed in your writing was, you know, you had this idea of going into psychology to understand like what love meant. And I know you referenced a specific psychologist who you read early in life, but I think that seemed like a driving force for you. But as you kind of entered the field of psychology, I'd be curious like what that experience was like for you entering academia and then kind of seeing how Maybe your idea of what it was going to be like kind of stacked up to the reality of what the fiat, you could call it, fiat academic system was like.
3: Yeah, so that's, a, you know, that's an interesting thing. I mean, the, I studied basically, I was in a clinical psychology program and I studied the medical model of psychology, which is basically based on behavioral science. And it uses the empirical method that completely denies introspection. And what it means is that it kind of rejects feeling and thought processes that are that that are seemingly not be able to be measured, right? So, like for instance, if you have your personal thought or feeling, th- these cannot be objectively measured, right? So then, the scientific process tend to kind of eliminate eliminate mm. them because they, uh, simply because it cannot be observable. So. The the clinical model of psychology is based on that empirical method. In my opinion, you know, fail to see the essence of what it means to be human. Because human beings, obviously, you know, we have rich feeling life and we have complex thought processes. And if we don't find a way to take them into consideration in researching human experience, obviously, the, the result of the study becomes incomplete. Right. And then out of that research, you know, if psychologists define what it means to be human, obviously, in my opinion, it's become very narrowly defined and erroneous even. So and then based on that view of restricted view of humanity, if clinicians or psychologists start to define what is norm, what is healthy and what is ill, you know, what is pathological, there is a problem there. Right. So, you know, but when I was studying, I didn't, it took a while for me to start questioning the basic the, the foundation of the methodology that the discipline uses, because, you know, once you, when you are in the middle of it it, it, it became a kind of a, you know, elephant in a big room, you know, it's like the things that we take for granted that nobody questions, And then all the old salaries are built upon that assumption. Right. So I accepted that as a norm, as a foundation. So, you know, It's like the lenses through which to see the world, you know, lenses through which to see human beings. I didn't, at first, I didn't question if those lenses are already distorted. So, you know, once I kind of started to question them, question the legitimacy of the methodology, everything kind of opened up. And I was able to ask tons of questions and that kind of unraveled the whole, you know, yeah, whole lot of. Yeah, challenged uh, my understanding of the world. That is similar to one going through the Bitcoin rabbit hole experience, in my opinion. So I had that, you know, prior to just before I found Bitcoin, I had my own kind of rabbit hole experience. Yeah.
1: So, can you tell us a little bit more about? you know, I guess you waking up to maybe like the lies that, that is the foundation of a lot of psychology, you could probably even say science and many other elements of our modern day society mm-hmm. and, and then coming across Bitcoin and maybe how that made things come together. Or like, I guess what happened next?
3: Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's not so much lies. I think it's, I mean, there are, I think, some truths too. There are some truths to the vision that psychology provides. But I find it to be very limited, restrictive, right? So it, it doesn't give a the picture of what it means, you know, complete picture of what it means to be human. And that basically the lies is that we are somewhat like just simply extension of animals and that our motives are based on the simple avoidance of pain and seeking for pleasure. Which again, you know, I mean, of course, you know, we have that motives you know, many of us are driven by that as well. And we are, driven by instinctual impulses that we share with other animals. But that doesn't really fully describe who we are, right? And what, in my opinion, what makes us human has to do with creativity, has to do with free will has to do with our capacity to imagine, and and then chart a course of action that is not determined. And which I think, you know, we take something that I don't think animals have. And so... Yeah. So for me, I think it's just the not that this restrictive view of humanity like locks us into this what do you call paradigm? Yeah, locks our potential basically. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so I guess.
1: Get, you go, well, I was going to ask, like you know, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, Spencer, but how does Bitcoin unlock that, right? You know, I think it's common that Bitcoiners say that fiat creates this kind of limiting narrative and future vision, et cetera. But, you know, in your opinion, how does Bitcoin unlock
3: that? So I think for me, the Bitcoin's economic, economic incentives are truly revolutionary. And then why it's revolutionary? is that because it allows basically all that is human, the the old impulses that work through us. And that includes things to be impulses as well as impulses for creativity or altruism, you know. And it, 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 so the Bitcoin through the method of de- decentralization, it doesn't restrict certain attributes of ourselves. Like it doesn't say like, oh, you cannot be greedy or you cannot be selfish, you know? Uh, or it cannot say like, you cannot be kind, you know? It-, it-, it just allow us to be authentic, allow us to just act in the way that we want to act, you know? And, and what it does is that it's really unleashes our creativity and then our potential as human beings and our nature, you know. And I think that that somehow, I think, broke the Skinner's box, in my opinion. The Skinner's box that, that tried to lock us in into behaving in a certain way and, you know, by creating stimulus and and by using stimulus, whether that is economic stimulus, using money as a, a tool, for in, tool to incentivize our behavior. They are, you know, those who control monetary system they are controlling our behavior. They are intending intending to, to generate certain responses from us and that we were like wrapped inside the skinner's box, you know, being made to simply react, you know, react to the economic forces. And now I think there, there has not been any kind of way to get ourselves out of that kind of forces, you know, because simply the money is used as a tool to incentivize our behavior. And then If there isn't alternative, then we are locked in. And I think Bitcoin now brings out the new incentives and then out of which that those who are, you know, who choose to use Bitcoin, we could start acting differently. And then now we have network, you know, Bitcoin incentives help us to create a viable network and that, you know, we are now seeing that how human beings are starting to act differently at the global level. And it's, yeah, so, so and, it, and as a result, you know, as an observable phenomenon, I think that we are seeing the blossoming of freedom of expression, you know, resurgence of the art and the flourishing of human creativity. And it's showing who we are, what we can do, you know, our full potential. And that potential that I am now personally seeing proves that the vision of man, you know, put forward by behavior, behavioralistic psychologists was wrong you know, that we are not just the mere animals. We are much more than animals and that we are capable of doing far greater things that those, you know, the behaviorist I mean, behaviorists thought of. So, so I think that's, you know, as observable phenomena, you know, I think we can all just see, you know, people around, other Bitcoiners around, you know, in your life and how their life have been changed by Bitcoin. And that I think, Many of us can agree that we are starting to see creativity and imagination and the potential that you know each person is now you know becoming greater greater person you know greater than who we used to be in the fiat system. and so that I think yeah it, I, I think it's a kind of an interesting scientific research in, in in a sense that you know one way or the other I think we are now coming to witness. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think it, it does foster like a sense of creativity of freedom to express yourself when you aren't trapped inside this box being made to move being forced to move one way or the other and i think like also framing that in the lens of like interpersonal relationships at least for me makes a lot of sense it's like the idea of having a mutually respectful relationship between people within an economic system whereas like in the fiat system it's this top-down decree this central planning of the cost of capital, this control, command and control of the economy. And it really creates this like unharmonious relationship where there is like, there is no freedom. There is no like individual agency in that system. And I think like thinking about how people relate to one another in relationships, like there's this like kind of unhealthy aspect of trying to control the other rather than to like recognize and respect them as being like independent of yourself. And I I just see like, I don't know. It just seems like that kind of bleeds over into how society organizes itself. If you have this kind of imposition of fiat, it seems like it would really impact like from the bottom up how people would interact with one another. It creates these kind of control dynamics that seem quite unhealthy to me. And yeah, and to your point, Bitcoin is almost the opposite of that. It's allowing for this freedom and this, uh, I guess, understanding and recognition of the free will of individuals. And I think that's, Tying that back into creativity, I think that's the most beautiful thing here is like freedom of expression, spontaneity, and people not being forced one way or another, but, you know, organically exploring themselves and the world around them.
0: My fellow clubs, come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code DMLIVE to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to subscribe today at bitcoinmagazinepro.com
2: tying this in a little bit to your article in the broke issue how do you like see like something obviously you wrote about a lot in this article titled broken hearts bitcoin restores the soul psychology you talk about this idea of love and like how love is a very important underlying aspect of humanity like how do you see bitcoin as relating to love like whether that be self-love or
3: love for others yeah so i define love as a capacity to accept our differences so it's you know radical acceptance of our differences and in order for us to do this we have to have freedom as a foundation to develop this capacity and the reason why i say this is that until we each of us are allowed to act freely then i mean then we cannot really accept our differences. And, you know, people don't talk about necessarily uh, how love and freedom are intertwined, you know, and without freedom, the capacity for love is not possible. And without love, freedom is not possible. So are, those two values are actually interconnected. And, and I think Bitcoin, you know, we all know that how Bitcoin enables freedom, right? So that, you know, we call Bitcoin freedom money. Um, and with its feature of censorship resistance, it's, you know, allow us to act freely, you know, transact freely. And and then Bitcoin, you know, doesn't discriminate users. So like anyone can use it in a way that they wish to use it. So it's completely, it enables complete freedom. And then also, like we talk about Bitcoin as freedom of speech money, that, you know, it allows everyone to express themselves freely. And in a sense that I think that I see Bitcoin is like the... First Amendment United of the United States being distributed to the world. And then, you know, and we often hear mm-hmm. in the political discourse, we hear uh people who trying to kind of deny others' right to freely speak, you know, just because they don't like the content of their speech, you know. So when somebody talks about certain controversial topics, you know, the, how the people who are involved in the political process is that they tend to kind of say,
0: that's not okay, you
3: can't, say, you know, this would be harmful speech, that so you shouldn't talk like this and stuff like that. And then, you know, Noam Chomsky once said that if we don't believe in the freedom of speech of those, you know, you don't agree with
0: you don't have freedom
3: of speech for, you know, for all of us, right? So I think in a sense that freedom, you know, need to be extended to everyone, even to those who we consider to be our enemies or those that we don't like, you know. And, and having that freedom, you know, allowing each person to say whatever he or she wished to say and be, act in the way that, the, you know, th- they wish to act, that, you know, that allow I think, each person to be different right and then so that that freedom is necessary for each of us to become different and then the love so having that freedom allow each person to be different and then out of which we can basically develop capacity in the true sense develop capacity to accept each other's differences i don't know if that makes sense But I consider love, I mean, define love in a different way than the popular culture does. You know, popular culture defines love more kind of connected to this sentimental feeling. You know, it's something like, you know, I feel love for you or like a a hugging or just kind of a touchy feeling, you know. But love, it has nothing to do with that kind of sentimental touchy feeling. You know, love uh, that I see is clarity of thought. It's the, yeah, it's the courage to accept our differences and twice the strength. To, to allow the other person to be simply who they are, you know? So it's a kind of different, different concept or image of love, I guess.
2: No, that totally makes sense. And something that comes to mind for me is, like, what does it look like when there's perhaps like a dysfunctional sort of love or interpersonal relationship between people? Like, you can think about how there's maybe a difference between being nice to somebody and being kind to them. Yeah, and I know you, right, right. I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, but I just found it super interesting. Is like, there's, a, I guess, this radical honesty that Bitcoin imposes up, upon us. Yes. And it's like that, you know, you could lie to somebody if you want to be nice, but the kind thing to do is to tell them the truth and help them grow as an individual, it seems like that kind of current runs through like the heart of Bitcoin. It's like this radical honesty and transparency. So I would like yes, to yes. hear like- yeah and
3: then that this i mean you know the i think the one of the fundamental aspect of bitcoin is that bitcoin rewards honesty right and then we often hear like the you know the people saying like bitcoin incentivizes or bitcoin rewards greed you know but i have a different perspective on that i think bitcoin actually does not incentivize greed it allows us to act greed you know there's a difference you know it doesn't incentivize like you know kind of behavior or greedy act or selfishness. It's just simply, you know, Bitcoin is kind of a neutral. It simply allows us to act in any way that we wish to, you know, and then some people are more greedy than the other, you know, and, you know, it doesn't incentivize people who are not greedy to act greedy, for instance. But what's important is that it allows the certain characteristics that, that are kind of condemned in our culture. And the one of which, of course, you know, greed is kind of a condemnment, you know, condemned for ordinary people, you know, when ordinary people are greedy, like somehow like elite would say, oh, you got you are not you are too selfish or you are too greedy, you know, and then you have to be more empathic or whatever. But then when the elite, you know, the, those who run the system, they get to act greedy all the time, you know, so it's kind of has a double standard. But the, what Bitcoin does is that it basically, you know, allows people to act greedy, and then the word honesty. So what it does is that inherently allow each other or oh. encourages to be authentic. Okay, and what that authentic authenticity means is different for every person. You know, some people might be greedy, and that's just who they are, and then that's authentic. Some people might be altruistic, more altruistic, and that's just who they are. You know. So I think the the what I think the what the lesson that Bitcoin teaches us, the fundamental lesson that Bitcoin teaches us is a lesson of self love, because I think we are the fiat system conditioned us to kind of hate ourselves and and make us reject a certain part of ourselves. You know, we start to judge ourselves. You know, and and now Bitcoin basically allow us to accept ourselves. And so that's I think you know I think we are now learning how to honor our need and, you know, yeah, be tuned into what we want, basically. And so that's kind of part of the part of going through a Bitcoin rabbit hole experience. And I think it's very therapeutic. And and I'm seeing how Bitcoiners basically were able to, I mean, start to care for themselves. You know, they start exercising, eating well, and they start to value themselves, you know, so that's the effect that, that this incentive, economic incentive has brought, you know, and then it's mainly because the incentives of the fiat system itself is imbalanced. You know, it, 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 it has it has control and it, it has shunned away attributes that our society judged as selfish or negative. And then now Bitcoin basically distorts those values. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just wanted to chime in and say, like, that's why when Bitcoiners get together in person, it feels so magical and special. I remember Jeff Booth was telling me about Bitcoin 2021 coming out of kind of, you know, harsh lockdowns and gathering with people who are not afraid, who are unwavering, who are excited and optimistic. And, you know, how intoxicating that experience was. (laughs) Yes. When you think of like a world on a Bitcoin standard, a lot of people think that like that's potentially could be a scary world. A lot of people think the transition might be really bloody or dangerous, but it sounds like you envision a very hopeful and optimistic future Mm -hmm. with Bitcoin. I guess, can you talk a little bit about like what human society looks like to you from like a human perspective uh, in this magical, you know, hyper Bitcoinized world?
3: Yeah, I think that, I think, I, I, I believe that the human beings are powerful you know, powerful, creative beings and that our full potential has not been tapped. And what Bitcoin does is that Bitcoin gives us tool for us to empower ourselves and really build a new civilization that is aligned with nature. And what it looks like, I think it's, you know, I mean, I think the sky is the limit, you know. Whatever we can imagine is the limit, I think. So I'm very optimistic. And yeah, and think that... Our dreams, they will come true. I think, that, you know, we all, I think, want peace. We all want the same thing wherever we live. You know, we want peace. We want, you know, rel- rich relationships. We want to have quality time with family and friends, you know. We won't be like working our ass off all the time or, you know, making money or accumulating wealth and things like that. I don't think that the people care much about wealth, to be honest, you know, material kind of possession kind of thing. I think that we want to be happy. We want to experience joy. So I think, yeah, I think that you know going allow us to follow our heart's desire, you know, and do what what gives us joy each moment. And I think like new species, I think in the future, the species that that are full of creativity and and with high energy, and you know it's kind of become contagious, you know, and with innovation, capacity to build new technologies that could overcome poverty and so our disease or you know all kind of hardships that we experience in this physical space so yeah i guess i I guess yeah i'm maybe too optimistic but i think the potential is here for us to claim i think
2: yeah and i think to me like bitcoin really ushers in this idea of cooperation at scale like we really didn't have that capacity under a fiat standard where essentially we're redistributing wealth from those who, you know, operate and save in fiat money to those who have hard assets and access to cheap debt. And it seems like, you know, that sows the seeds of conflict and this inability to cooperate at scale through time, especially. And, and, you you know, the word you say is you feel hopeful now. And I think like that's this like optimism that is more adaptive for people overall as well like operating with an idea yeah. of like a positive future just allows you to move through the world much more easily and like imagining if we could deliver that future to yeah perhaps you know not everyone will see how far bitcoin can scale but to certainly more so uh, more people than we do today under the fiat standard um and i guess yeah like
3: if you- and I think that, you know, it's not just for me, it's not just the distribution of human, I mean, the resources or wealth, you know, I think it's at the, at the psychological level, Bitcoin has empowered people. And then look at like people in El Salvador, that they, you know, these ordinary people never thought that that they, they could actually start to engage in their lives actively to change the course of their destiny. You know, it, it, you know, they, they always, I mean, I think the people who are in the oppressed countries that they have, they have developed this mentality of defeatism, right? So and before they try, they feel like they cannot make any differences. And then I myself, you know, I was born and grew up in Japan. And I, you know, like Japan is very much westernized and kind of look up to United States, look up to the Western society. And somehow like, you know, we were taught at the early age that West represents progress. And then you guys asked, you know, we have to learn from the West, you know, borrow skills knowledge from west to catch up with them and that we were kind of conditioned in some ways that we were not capable of doing things you know that we have to learn from them or whatever and i think that what bitcoin does is that bitcoin allow each person to claim you know his or her own authority and power so that i mean the psychological impact is huge you know that that like i Like, you know, I guess, you know, when I started to enter into, I mean, started to write about Bitcoin or when I first discovered Bitcoin, I was a completely different person. You know, I never thought that I could write articles in English, for instance. I never thought that I could even like get on the podcast and share my ideas in English. And then now I feel comfortable. Now I feel, you know, I can talk about what I'm passionate about Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin really transformed, you know, empowered our mind that it kind of make us now help us believe in ourselves. So I think the effect of Bitcoin in empowering people is more experienced by people who are oppressed. And then we are seeing how these people are starting to claim their power and the contribution that, that each person makes. And, and El Salvador certainly is leading the way, you know, so... It's not just that. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of emphasize on the fact that it's not just the allocation of the wealth or resources, but it's really the tremendous shift in, in, in in the mindset. And that is the real wealth. You know, I mean, that makes that makes changes, I think, in the world. I wanted to
1: kind of piggyback off something you talked about your experience being in Japan and, you know, idolizing the West to some degree. You know it it kind of seems like a lot of that comes back to the money. West exporting the money out to the world. Yeah, and one of the most things I'm like hopeful around coins that you know Bitcoin is a money that, you know, brings people and assets online and mm-hmm. kind of allows people to you know get access to the best monetary network that's ever existed without asking permission. And yes. that is a strike contrast to, you know, kind of the u s. dollar system where, you know, the U.S. dollar system is actively marginalizing people and actively debanking people. And, you know, I would even frame it as like the U.S. dollar system requires that 70 percent of the world is unbanked so that 30 percent can be banked. Like, you know, the, this is not just like an effect of, you know, bad government or inability to scale, but it's actually part of how the system works. Yes. I'm kind of curious, like, how do you think of this idea of like coin bringing people online and unlocking kind of that human potential in places that you have never had that opportunity before?
3: Well, I mean, I think, yeah, certainly Bitcoin is doing that. I think, you know, like like you're saying, it's gives, you know, now the those who are unbanked, they could start to save money by using Bitcoin and the Bitcoin's you know, permissionless and it's, you know, it can be used by anyone with the simple access to the Internet. So, and then those people who have been excluded from the market, when they are given the opportunity to interact with the, the world economy, I mean, that, that really empowers them. And yeah, so I think that Bitcoin is definitely, I mean, I see Bitcoin as the bottom-up globalization. So we have one hand, this corporate-led, top-down globalization you know, network of financial systems and institutions, you know, like IMF, WTO, you know, the World Trade Organization, you know, or NAFTA, you know, all of those kind of governmentally led organizations that they're trying to somehow create a new system, like global system, and then make the world population comply with the rules. And the Bitcoin is the direct opposition to that, you know, counter that force of globalization. And that the Bitcoin's Organized globalization is spontaneously emerging from each user around the world, adapting simply adapting to use it out of their, you know, heat of a home freedom, and and it's really decentralized and seriously organized. So it's impossible for anyone to stop it. Stop it. and because there there are no central controls in this effort, I think that you know. The, this new global economy, economic system that is spontaneously emerging, really taps into human creativity and the ingenuity, and it's you know basically distributes wealth in, in a more dynamic way. Yeah, so I, I think the the economic impact, that Bitcoin, you know, positive economic impact that Bitcoin is bringing is really disrupting the world, and and in a sense, I think it, it is giving us a hope you know, considering the the alternative, basically, you know, alternative system is moving quickly into the into a systemic future. So um, Bitcoin presents uh, certainly the exit, you know, the allow us to depart from the system.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a good transition into your piece in Bitcoin magazine titled Bitcoin is Humanistic Alternative to Technological Salvation. In this piece, mm-hmm. you kind of paint the picture of like what the system around CBDCs, centralized control and you also talk a little bit about harari's book sapiens i mean kind of this idea i mean and i think you certainly apply it to this idea of skinner's box as you talked about before but this idea of like not allowing the kind of dynamic emergence of individuals in a spontaneous manner but rather this like like you say like this top down rather than bottom up system of control so um i guess this Mm -hmm. is perhaps it, it has a hopeful message tucked away inside but it does also kind of paint a bit of dark picture for what the alternative to Bitcoin would be in this system. So I would just be curious, like how do you see this kind of, I guess, Harari in view shaping, you know, these power structures and you know how what are I guess what are the negative impacts of that? And then I guess we could transition on to like how obviously Bitcoin could free us from that. But would just be curious your yeah. take there?
3: Yeah. So you know, the yuba Harari, for those who don't know who he is, he's an Israeli historian. He's head of the main advisor to Klaus Schwab, who is founder of the World Economic Forum, and so Klaus Schwab basically, you know, the, he describes the, the what drives the initiatives of WEF is is something called the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and then that this Fourth Industrial Revolution is based on the idea of transhumanism. And the transhumanism is kind of a, it's a philosophical movement that drives to fundamentally revolutionize what means to be human by ways of technological advancement. So using methods like robotics, AI, and bioengineering, you know, the transhumanists aim to merge human beings with the machines, and then transform them into what they call post-human beings, right? And then they see that as the next stage of human evolution, that we become more more like a machine. And then, so that's the, the, their way of seeing the advancement of humanity. And, you know, what I found interesting is that, you know, the Kran Shabbat, for instance, he said the fourth industrial revolution will change you. You know, I heard him speak at, I think that the recent conference that happened, or well, annual conference in, in mid-January this year, he said some like, the fourth industrial revolution will change you. And it will be through genome editing technologies, it's a genetically modifying organism. You know, it's a method to genetically modifying organism, right? And then, and I asked myself, you know, so they want to change us by, you know, deploying certain, you know, technologies or medical procedures. You know, like the changing DNA, making changes in, in in into our DNA, for instance. And then we hear Max Kaiser, you know, talking about we don't change Bitcoin, Bitcoin changes us and that how, you know, he talks about the conscious revolution that, you know, what's happening is a conscious revolution. And he's very right to observe this and that the fact that, you know, somehow like Max was, you know, being able to channel, I think Satoshi's inspiration or whatever, you know, to to recognize that how there is this force working through Bitcoin protocol that profoundly changes us right from, from inside out. So it's, so the, When we go through the Bitcoin rabbit hole, it's not that, you know, we are not being changed by things outside of us, you know, it's like the changes happen from inside and that somehow that there is this transformative effect that comes with us interacting with Bitcoin that doesn't really require anything external. And then as I see it, it's kind of like Bitcoin is driving us into a passive evolution that is alternative. To the you know the passive evolution that was read by a bunch of you know selected leaders at Davos, and I find it kind of interesting. And then I was kind of started to pay attention: how these two paths are different, and where each passive evolution driving us, you know. And then in a sense, I started to see how that somehow you know we are humanities, but like what's going on is a bifurcation of humanity, like now the old fiat system is starting to crumble so that it's now grading itself to the, this new version of like digital currency, you know, with central bank's uh, digital currencies. And then we have, on the other hand, we have Bitcoin, the other network. And then the two networks are about to compete. And it's not just about freedom or, you know, privacy, privacy, censorship, surveillance, you know, all the things. I mean, these are of course important, but fun- at the fundamental level, I think that these two competitions concerns the future of humanity. And, that, and here comes, you know, Yubaro Noah Harari. He's basically saying how, you know, the, you know, he explained that from the beginning of life, all life was subject to the laws of nature. And then he stated that this basic rule of life is about to change. You know, so I'm going to just quote what he said. He said, science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligence design of some god above the cloud, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of the evolution. And if you look at the fact that you know, IBM embraced the CBDS, I mean, the central bank's digital currencies, and then Microsoft, you know, is closely working with WEF to coordinate collaboration at the global scale in combination with the use of metaverse. You know, so, so all those big tech giant companies basically, they are working with a World Economic Forum and and try to stay on narrative to move humanity into a certain direction. And then we have Bitcoin, right? We have Bitcoin and the you know, Max Kaiser's mantra, I guess, you know, the Bitcoin changed us, and I, I think that you know each person now has a choice to yeah, which path we take, you know do we want to be changed by something outside of us, or we want to actively engage in this change that is happening inside of us and then take the organic path of evolution and define what it means to be human you know so i think i think i find I find it to be very interesting
2: yeah, absolutely and I think that definitely relates to this idea you mentioned briefly earlier is this idea of like allowing people to author their own stories, like this idea of like being an auto poetic being, like being able to chart your own future Mm -hmm. rather than having kind of this like pathological, you know, plan laid out in front of you as to what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. And and I think that brings it back ultimately to this idea of like Bitcoin unleashing human creativity like this creative generative sort of mechanism underlying what it means to be human and like in the context of like renaissance 2.0 or this like evolution Mm -hmm. of human consciousness through bitcoin like i think we could have just a much more beautiful world emerging out of that so like on that note i'd I'd be curious Mm -hmm. like is there anything that you're working on or paying attention to or anything that's inspired you kind of in this idea of this renaissance this cultural renaissance that's unfolding in front of us
3: Yeah. You know, when I was studying psychology at the graduate school, you know, initially, like I went into the department of psychology wanting to understand human nature and then also wanting to understand or learn, you know, to cultivate the capacity for love because I, you know, I found that this capacity for love is something very important for for humanity you know this is this i firmly believe that the, this is the highest value that the human beings can create and then i was met with a series of disappointment that in the process of studying psychology because the psychology didn't provide i didn't you know the psychology that i learned uh, d- d- w- didn't have that the, the hopeful future vision of humanity i guess and and in that kind of i guess you know in in some sense that dark nights of the soul i guess you know the in the kind of despair i was helped by poet i just found artists in my life i was so blessed to have met many creative individuals and they invited me to be a part of the spoken word community and you know spoken word is basically it's an art form that kind of you know allows you know everyone to get up on the stage and then each person share his or her life experience, share a story in three minutes. And then that their performance basically is judged by the audience, right? random audience. And I was so inspired by this art form. And there I found I found in the sense that the psychology I wanted to study, I guess, you know, hearing each individual, just you know bearing their soul so courageously and be so naked you know vulnerable with audience and you know telling their story telling their hardship, challenges sharing their joy and happiness you know and there i found i saw richness of human soul you know the all you know kind of all expression of human experience right from despair to joy you know the old spectrum i guess and and in a sense that they helped me, they helped me get out of the clinical program, you know, clinical psychology program. And of course, you know, these artists, they are, in my opinion, so undervalued in our society, in the fiat system, you know, the fiat system doesn't recognize the value of their work, you know, because creativity, people who are engaged in creative, creative work, you know, they don't, in this materialistic society, they see them not producing anything, you know, because they, they simply what they produce is not tangible. It's not miserable, right? That the artistic expression, like beauty, beauty, joy, and love, you know, creative expression, that is not tangible. That's not like, you know, producing bread or, right? I mean, you, you know, you cannot eat with artwork and things. But I think that they are producing really tremendously important value and then, but then they are not recognized. So I guess I wanted, to, I wanted to help them. I wanted to help those artists. I wanted to help poets who inspired me with Bitcoin. I wanted to create an economy that values them. And so I think it's personally, I feel like I, my work is focused on finding a way to support artists and you know, it's my turn to help them you know, so that they could allow to express their creativity in a way that they want and lead us in our society you know, and and then guide us in the evolution led by the heart. And the poets are the front line of this revolution, in my opinion. So I think, yeah, I'm very excited about Renaissance 2.0 that is happening around this technology and, yeah, trying to find a way to support artists, yeah.
1: Amazing. Well, Nozomi, we really appreciate your time. You know, I personally... Love all of your work. You know, a couple of times having you on one of the Bitcoin Magazine shows here. Hope to see you in Miami and, you know, would love to ask everyone else here to check out Bitcoin Conference, Bitcoin 2023. Come meet Bitcoiners in person. See me, see Spencer, see all of Bitcoin Twitter. Bitcoin Noster, all the above. I have to say, we are living in a time in history, Nizomi. I don't know how much you're paying attention to Bitcoin development, but it seems like we're getting to that stage where we're going to see another layer of like compounding improvements and capabilities for Bitcoin. And uh, I think that you know we're going to have a wave of excitement around what's happening with this technology. And it's just amazing to see it in person. So, you know, I think it's an amazing time to be in Bitcoin. I'm really excited for Miami because of that. So, you know, again, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this space really explode in the next 10 years or so, because, you know, truly it's not just better tech, but, you know, as what Nozomi talks about, it can help us make better decisions lead better lives and hopefully that changes the world by itself so that's why we're here it's for the mission you know obviously number going up is something that is part of that but it's incredible to kind of experience this part of history so see you all there peace
0: my fellow clubs, come celebrate bitcoin winter in miami at bitcoin 2023 the largest bitcoin conference in the world returns to miami from miami 18th to the 20th Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code live to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Magazine time, y'all. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and the rejecters of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naïb Bukele, Jeff Dice, Natalie Smolinsky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy from the local Barnes & Noble bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at BitcoinMagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analyst Dylan LeClaire Dr. Jeff Ross and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.